The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, we proudly present this week's installment of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. And today, we have a very special guest, a third dude joining us, our expert big monster man, Mr. Daniel Feehan. Hello dudes, and I'm very honored to be the big monster man expert. (laughs) We always like to have big monster experts on the show. I am an expert in uh, uh, megazoology. I have a degree. Nods. Yeah. Nods. In, we're, we're nodding right now in, <laughs> in, in case the, the silence is awkward. Uh, I appreciate the mad respect. I really do. I didn't spend four years in megazoology for nothing. I mean, you know, game recognizes game. That's how it works. Well, I appreciate it. You know, you you look at a monster and you go, okay, what is he going to do? Is he going to spit fire, acid sap? I just, I don't know. You have to research this kind of stuff. Everyone else just runs. They're cowards. No, we, we, we megazoologists, we run towards the action. <laughs> <laughs> I like this little mythology we built up for me. I really do. We can, we can hold that down. So, Dr. Feehan... Um, <laughs> Permit that's Doctor Professor Feehan. Doctor Professor, um, Lord Esquire, uh, ruler of his domain, Moff, uh, Moff, Moff, um, <laughs> uh, Grand Poobah, the the wizard, the the wizard himself. Um, you know, it really is. It really is great. You are our third person that we've had as a guest on this program. Yes, we've had, we've had. Yeah, we've had Allison twice, my friend Alex once, and now you. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to top Alex. I mean, you guys did such a great job. I'm, I really I loved your Atlantis video. That was great, especially for, as someone who loved watching Atlantis as a kid. That was a lot of fun listening to that. Uh, was that movie the inspiration for your um, your many degrees and titles, Dr. Lord Professor uh, Esquire? I, I forget. Is it, could, could you send us like, like an official list of all the... <laughs> Just let us know. I was like, I was like Peter Jackson. You know, I saw, I saw Atlantis as a kid, and, and it's inspired me to dig a tunnel in my backyard and 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 search for the lost city of Atlantis and searching for beautiful beautiful women in skippy clothing who are voiced by Cree Summers. <laughs> and how, how have you uh, uh, how have you fared in that so far? Are you still digging, or have you reached? No, I, I had to stop when the cops, po- you know, talk to my parents, you know. It hit a sewer line. It was not fun. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Though, I bet if you went further into the sewage line, you probably could have found Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Maybe. This bastard stopped me before I could even make my ultimate discovery. <laughs> He's been in there the whole time. Anywho, anywho, uh, th- this, uh, h- how is everybody? You go ahead. You're the you're the guest. You go first. Oh well, well thank you, sir. Um, I'm doing great. You know, I mean, it's been it's been a rough year, especially with everything going on. Obviously, not being able to see my closest friend, Joe. God, it feels so weird to say. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, listen. It's always him. weird to say he's your closest friend. 
So. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, I know, right? I mean, that would be that would be a betrayal to Mike. That would be a betrayal to Mike. I mean, Mike's my closest friend. No, I mean, not seeing you, Joey, and like not being able to do all the things we were going to do last year. Luckily, I've been able to keep my job as a as a bread baker. So, I mean, that's all been good. And you know, today I just got the COVID vaccine. Uh, very nice. My right arm. Yeah, thank you very much. So it was uh, quite a fun experience, you know, getting a shot in the arm. I've never been so excited to get a shot in my life. Which one did you get? Uh, I got the Johnson & Johnson one. Oh, one off. Nice. Yeah, well, literally, like, I registered for the vaccine at work, and then I talked to my boss on Tuesday. I'm like, you know, what's the deal with the vaccine? They said it's coming in this week. And then literally yesterday, my boss at the end of my shift is like, hey, uh, do you want the vaccine tomorrow? And I'm like, boy, do I? <laughs> do I? There's there's giant monster movies to go see. You know, it's it's nice it's nice to have uh, an employer that just goes, hey, you want it now? Just go for yeah, it. Yeah, he was. She, yeah, she was literally like, well, you were interested in it, and we just got an opening for a Johnson Johnson one because I believe they were doing the Moderna one initially. But I guess because the Johnson Johnson one came up, uh, they managed to get a couple of those in. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, dudes, anybody? Dude one. Oh, normally I just wait for you and then I go. I'm usually last. I'm not used to this format. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to talk about <laughs> this, this, this week. Such, I mean, this is the most exciting... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you, you take that's the only pre-show topics I had were uh, uh, doc, Dr. Feehan's uh, vaccination and uh, you know just anything you wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, no, I I've literally just been a potato, you know, just just chilling on the couch, just doing nothing for like days on end at this point. Um, you know what? There was something that was announced today that's sort of like upsetting me but uh i don't want to get too much into it but um so obviously you know with all the pandemic stuff there's like states just fully opening right texas mississippi fully opening very baffling that that's happening but it's happening and with uh with my state ohio they just announced that once they get to i think 50 cases per 100,000 people they're gonna lift all the health ordinance, so it's not Including, an including out- like mask stuff, everything. Oof! Wow. So, yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, pardon my French, but fucking terrified. You can edit that out, Joe, if you want. <laughs> you know what? I think I've come to the conclusion of this program. This is PG-13. We're entitled to one. So thanks a lot. You used up one that I was saving for Dr. Feehan. Listen, hey, listen. Hey. We could do we could do like James Cameron level of PG-13. So we can get another one going. Just one more. Look, let, look let's look. let be honest. You know, you picked a perfect episode to say part of my French in because one movie is very French. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is very best, true best representation of french when i was a kid this is the most representation i got out of france when i was a kid through you ratatouille <laughs> oh brother um but no yeah so basically when it gets to that point which is in which it's within a two-week period so between now and i think the 18th which is in two weeks from today 
uh, that'll be the time frame. So if it gets to that point and it does reach 50 per 100,000 people, which I personally, I think it doesn't really make as much sense. I mean, we vaccinated a lot of people, but it's only like a fraction of the entire state. And Ohio's a big state. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me personally. And I don't know. It's just, I just think the governor is, is he was doing really well, but then as time had gone on, he's just sort of like, he's, he always seems to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's either like his fellow Republicans are like, like yelling at him for, you know, falling more to the health ordinance than like everybody else is like, what are you doing? It's, it's really stupid. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, in that regard in two weeks, I guess I'm hoping like, I, I hope things get better, but I hope that they're not stupid enough to to lift things until at least the majority of the state is at least vaccinated or is better off. I don't know. It's just it seems stupid to me personally. But I yeah, I, I, I get that completely. I feel like, you know, it's a, I'm on a hard position because I don't want to get too deep into this. But, you know, I, I feel like with, with, with a lot of things, it's like. It, 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 it with certain things, I feel like once I know not everyone's going to be comfortable to get this vaccine. Yeah, that's no, one of the yeah, big yeah, storylines yeah. with this. So, and there's a lot of going into that, and I can I can respect that. Yes, but I feel yes. like I feel like the people who do want this vaccine should get this vaccine before we go into any type of like hardcore. Exactly. Like, exactly. Let's you know. Yeah. Let's look, try to go. Like, listen. Nobody wants to get back to some type of normalcy. Or a few people. I mean, I want to get back to normalcy very much so. But like, mm-hmm. again, let's not let's not jump the gun. We're we're still very much in the midst of all this. So please, folks, even if your state and this is a uh, a dude service announcement, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. we're, not, we're not public health officials. We're not yeah. the government. We're just a couple of guys. I mean, Feehan is the most credentials out of all of us. Is the doctor Lord with his like various PhDs and titles with the various. <laughs> Various titles, but listen, wear your mask, maintain social distance, and if you do things, be smart. That's, you know, I, That's, I, I don't know how else to, to, you know, that it's yeah. like, it's, I, it's exactly that just, and I know again, there's so many states that are lifting all this stuff up, but you have, you, you just, you just have to, to think about others, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, try to keep people around you safe and just don't be dumb. Like there's there's basic things that you could do, and that sounds much meaner to say it like that. But but it's just just be smart about what you're doing. That's all. And if you're if you're in one of those states that has lifted ordinance and everything is open and ready, just be mindful. Be smart. I know there's a lot of people that think all this is nonsense, but just be smart about it. So. Anyway, um, I actually really needed to say that. <laughs> it's like, this, like, not even like a few hours ago, this was made an announcement, and it just was like building up. Like, it's just really been bothering me. So, I mean, I'm glad right. it's not an outright lifting of everything, but it's still basically him going, "Okay, well, if we get to this point, it's still going to be like sort of bad, but if we get to this point, then we should be okay to lift everything." I'm like, no, but thank you. Um, other than that, no, I haven't really 
haven't really done a lot. I am, I am, because, uh, I mean, we've talked about, you know, uh, Black Panther, and we talked about Endgame, and wa- watching WandaVision, so, like, you know, just have all that Marvel stuff in my head, so I've been watching all the Marvel movies again, so, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm currently on uh, Black Panther, so I, I'm pretty well into it at this point. This is probably like the second or third time I've watched all 23 movies, or like third or fourth, actually. Mm-hmm. So I've been spending a lot of my time doing that, and uh, it, it, just to just to, to reaffirm, Phase 3 is still the best one. I'll just say that. Yeah. So far, that's still my favorite. I could agree. We're nodding again. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is nodding. <laughs> but you guys there need we an go. audio cue for nod. You guys need an audio cue for Just nod break. Just like little rascals. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got all of that pre-business out of the window. All right, we talked about you know we talked a lot about the serious stuff. Let's get to. The meat and potatoes of our of our show, and let's talk about how this episode came to be. Because you may or may not notice, but we're quickly approaching or very close to the release of Godzilla vs Kong, which is easily the most anticipated movie <laughs> of my life for me. <laughs> so if you remember, <laughs> if you remember listening to his reaction, which you know I listen to on the daily because it's just funny. <laughs> 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 but just listening to his reaction of how stoked he was for for that trailer, it was you know it was actually a pretty uh, it was a pretty magical moment. I'm glad we captured that <laughs> in audio form. <laughs> just ah, just so excited. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of that discussion of like those monster movies, Godzilla, and like the monsterverse stuff, sort of I'll admit it sort of led to an idea, sort of as a joke. But as as discussions came about, and obviously uh, we wanted to have Feehan on, so it, it made sense to kind of have him on in this one, it eventually led to this episode actually happening. So, uh, and then just the, the timing between uh, this episode and when Godzilla Kong comes out, it just kind of worked out in, in the long run, for especially for us. So, you know, hey, listen to us, then go watch the other movie. It's all good in the hood. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I'm I am so excited for this. I mean, Joey knows we're we're trying to get a we're trying to get a theater for this movie, right, Joey? Yes, uh, we are going to try to do the the private the private theater route. We're going to maintain distance, obviously. Masks. We'll both be vaccinated yeah. by that point. Um, of course. So, um, and we're trying to we're trying to look at, and I'm off around that time. So we're trying to get like the earliest screening that we can, just to avoid the first. The, you want to if you can get the first screening of the day, that's the best option. Because at that point, the theater will have been well cleaned, hopefully by whoever's working, and by that point, you'll have had zero chance of interacting with anyone else besides people who've cleaned it, as far as like what's still in the air. So, and I would also recommend eating. Before you get there, yeah, I'm not. I'm not planning on getting any concessions while I'm there. As much yeah. as I miss overpaying for popcorn and soda, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't love the overpriced concession stand foods? I know. It stinks because I'm on a, I'm on a diet right now. I'm trying to cut off the soda. But like I said, if, if I go to Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong, I'm like, man, I want to get like the biggest soda and like, tr- <laughs> to, like utterly drown a giant bucket of popcorn in salt and butter because, man, I have missed it so much. Yeah, the last movie we saw, Sonic. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. What a way to go out. What a what a way to go, as the as the saying goes. But the, anyway, so in anticipation for Godzilla vs. Kong, we came up with this episode. And our first film that we are discussing today is the 1998 film. I hesitate to say this because... <laughs> just... Ju- just- just rip it off like a band-aid. Godzilla. Oh. Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited. The best part is he sa- as as he cheers, he has a Godzilla from that movie with him. So it just kind of makes it more. <laughs> I a, there's a slight. I have it. There's a slight adorableness to it, actually. I know. This is like one of the first things I bought off of eBay was a hand puppet of the 1998 Godzilla that I I had as a kid. I mean, I had a lot of toys from this movie as a kid. I mean, even like the giant ultimate Godzilla, which I have on display behind me on my Godzilla shelf. And it's one of my greatest collectible pieces. This is our third nod. (laughs) Yeah, this is our third nod. nod. (laughs) (laughs) This should just be... uh, the 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 uh, the the nodding episode. Instead of giggling, we're just nodding. <laughs> Godzilla versus Godzilla versus Nadra. <laughs> we need Nod. <laughs> the world needs him. <laughs> so, Godzilla '98. We were. This was back in the '90s, which is a long time ago. For those it's of you, not that long though. No. Year. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not that long. It's over 20 years ago. <laughs> Don't remind 20. me! <laughs> I'm providing the context. I'm so sorry. Listen. Listen. I'm just saying, you could you could just... Just go ahead. Just go. Got, Remember the 90s? <laughs> Godzilla 98, so... Your face. Um... <laughs> Godzilla 98, uh, Roland Emmerich Oof. directed uh, this one. Uh, Dean Devlin was also there. And, uh... <laughs> was also there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I saw his name. So does that count? <laughs> he, he was there on the set. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, 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 Feehan, you might be able to provide us some context as far as this release is concerned, what what was, like, as far as you can remember, like, the developmental stages for, like, bringing an American Godzilla film uh, to the big screen? Oh, man. Well, it was a long process that I believe started back in the, early, the late 80s, actually, to get Godzilla onto the big screen in the American, uh, you know, distribution area. Um, actually, like, I believe it was, like, 1983 or 4 they started to try to get stuff done. Um, Toho eventually went along and they made Godzilla 1985, or just the return of Godzilla, as you know. Uh, that's uh, the American version, which was sent over here by New World Pictures, Roger Corman's studio. Um, brought it over and made it Godzilla 1985. They brought back Raymond Burr to reprise his role as Steve Martin 
from the 1957 version of the of Godzilla. And uh, of course, Steve Martin was already a popular comedian, so literally all, they just call him Mr. Martin. Basically, and yeah, the movie uh, has a lot of Dr. Pepper advertisements because they did a lot of that. <laughs> in the movie there's a lot of really terrible jokes like godzilla's killing innocent people and the americans are watching and they go oh that's quite a urban renewal program they got going on over in japan huh oh no <sighs> uh, so yeah flash forward to 1993 uh speed future speed director and former director of roar john debont wants to make the film uh goes to uh, i believe it was uh sony at the time or columbia pictures and wants to make it for $100 million. Put a pin in that, because that's important later. And they tell him no, um, which is sad, because they had a full thing going. Stan Winston was going to do the effects or design the creature. You know, Stan Winston, the guys who did the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park, the Predator, the Queen Alien, the Terminator, all those great things. And that's one of the things I've always wanted to own, is like the maquette they made of the on May 1993 Godzilla. And uh, there's a lot of different like versions of it. In fact, Joey, crazy thing is it ended up having similarities to the Gamera reboot that came out because initially one of the ideas was Godzilla was going to be a product of Atlantis. Oh. Like, just mm. like the Gamera reboot. So <laughs> Richard is very intrigued. Um, but that didn't go through because, again, the budget issue. So... Flash forward to late 90s. Obviously, Jurassic Park is the big thing in the 90s. And uh, I, it, there's conflicting accounts of whether TriStar wanted him or uh, Toho possibly wanted him. But so somebody wanted Roland Emmerich on the project because he had just did done Independence Day, which was a huge hit. Some jerk wanted him. definitely it. had a lot of things... You <laughs> some jerk wanted him pretty much yeah um but you, but you you look at independence day you could see a lot of like why they could possibly want him because there was a lot of miniature work on the movie and so they wanted him and roland emmerich didn't want to do it he didn't want to do it he didn't like the idea of adapting a monster he had no love or affection for and it was d devlin the other guy who convinced him to take up the project as long as he had full creative control, which, as Richard knows very well, is never a good idea with a director. Sometimes not a good idea, anyway. Yeah, if you're doing a franchise, it's probably not the best idea. Sorry, Richard, if you weren't going to bring up Batman, I will. I had no plans on it, but if you want to, that's up to you. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, I've I've invented a two dude drinking game. Take a shot if Richard mentions Tim Burton and or Batman. Well, it depends on the episode. <laughs> so, so Dean Devlin was sort of like the key in getting Emmerich on on board with it. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, uh, Emmerich like. He had his own vision for the monster. He had his own vision. His main stipulation was that he wanted it to be fast. And so he commissioned uh, a, a designer named Patrick Totopoulos. Sound familiar? Um, to create Oof. a full... A, a, who? <laughs> uh, Tapadopoulos? Whatever. That sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So get him and he builds a full size... Not full size, but a really big maquette of his new design and they take it all the way to Japan and they show it to Toho and the Toho execs are mortified because they had a literally a Godzilla Bible of things that they want told them they had to do 
Like the monster ha must have three rows of dorsal fins. He must have a certain amount of fingers on his hands. He cannot eat people. He has to be a product of atomic radiation. And he cannot die at the end of the movie. <clears throat> so, you know, they, they, went, they went against the Bible a little bit. But they said, basically told Emmerich, like, you know, you make your own monster and we'll keep the original the way he is. And so they went into production and the marketing for this movie was insane. Especially, like, they had a teaser trailer, which debuted a year before the film, which was a, which is a great teaser trailer. That whole, you know, they go into the museum and they see the T-Rex statue and it's like, oh, this is this was believed to be the largest cr predator on Earth. And then the giant foot comes in and crushes it. Uh, one thing I always remembered, like from retrospectives on this movie, is like advertise, like really ludicrous advertisements, like this. Th his foot is as big as this bus, or oh or, yeah, or th mm -hmm. you know things things of that nature. Um, yeah, which like uh, th that that's actually like kind of a fun like way to promote your movie. It was a good way to build hype without like showing off what the monster looked like. And there was a tons of tons of marketing for stuff like obviously the biggest one was probably Taco Bell. Oh yeah. With, uh, they had toys, they had uh, all this stuff, they had an animated series that was going to come out, we'll talk about that later probably, Yeah, and just all this stuff, and they, I remember back in the day there was an old Godzilla website, and they actually showed off pictures from the premiere, which was held in Madison Square Garden. That's cool. Which was pretty cool, you know, That's pretty it's cool. cool when they do that kind of like set, set uh, you know, red carpet premieres. So with, with us knowing all of that. It's important to know the preamble and know the prologue to all of this. Thank you, Dr. Feehan, for providing that. My pleasure. PhDs came in handy. Now, Richard. Yes. Th this this is a movie I also, I, I admit, I have nostalgia for. Um, as I've stated before, I've hung out, you know, my uncle's place many times as a child. And this was one of those movies I was in the rotation. Um, I always remember watching this on DVD. I remember the main menu where like like you see like the the shot of like the cop and then like everything like the city is shaking right uh, oh, because yeah. Godzilla's walking and i remember like it was also my first exposure to like international cinema in a way because they had like the Godzilla other Godzilla trailers yeah oh i remember that cuz sony distributes some of the Godzilla movies in the states if i'm not mistaken which was honestly probably the best thing to come out of this was that sony got the rights to a lot of the Godzilla movies that were coming out in the 90s and the early 2000s that weren't coming out here in the states, uh, so like they got their hands on it, and so that's how we got a lot of the movies that f fans didn't know about. They're like, "Oh, these movies don't exist. They're not making Godzilla movies." Well, turns out they are. So, Richard, yes, I want to I want to turn this to you, okay? Because this was an experience to watch this movie with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, that's that's the best way to explain it. It was an experience because. I have a lot of memories with this movie and like you, like you were talking about, like some of the advertisements, I had some of the toys. Um, I, I distinctly remember, um, going to a friend's birthday party and, uh, he got a bunch of Godzilla toys and I was like, that's so cool. That's all, that's all I really remember. Um, <laughs> good memory. Yeah. Good memory. It's, it was full and detailed. Um, so, uh, I remember seeing, the movie in theaters with my dad and um lucky lucky guy lucky guy he uh he tells me that i fell asleep which is not new to this this uh podcast but um 
with that one, I, uh, watching it again, I could definitely see why. <laughs> it's um, I, I won't blame you. <laughs> it's oh, it, it's funny you mentioned uh, the the teaser trailer because um, the the whole fact that like you know they have the T Rex and that he stomps on it. It's like for a guy that's trying to say like, oh, we're better than what was in Jurassic Park, and then constantly ripping off Jurassic Park and other Spielberg movies. It's it's like when it's like when Colin Trevorrow has uh, the uh, the one dinosaur eat a great white shark. Like, see, look, <laughs> we're better than Jaws. Well, well, let Richard remember <laughs> this is the same movie that two of the slimiest characters in the movie are named Mayor Ebert and his sidekick Gene. Yes, yes, this this is. Clearly, um, not a reference to anything, actually. It's just two random characters. No, not at all. Actually, I'm going to object to that and say, Roland Emmerich had a time machine. Yeah. Listen to our podcast. <laughs> and um, Do he just changed, changed the names around. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the two dudes. <laughs> Mayor, Mayor DeAngelis Mayor. and just Richard. <laughs> Did we agree we weren't gonna? Ha- did we agree we weren't gonna have any Papa Johns until after the election? Back off, Richard. No, 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 Richard. Like, cause we were talking about the the Reese's peanut butter eggs. <laughs> did we say no Reese's <laughs> peanut butter eggs after after the election? Back off, Purnell. Easy, 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 sir. Have some candy. I don't want any candy. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know what I think of your campaign? He switched it from thumbs up to, to thumbs down, and he did a slight clap, yeah, which yes, you heard, I did. but, I got, you know. I got an idea. I've, I've been clapping a lot more on this show, too. The, yes. The mayor who destroyed Fan Stick. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, all right, so this this movie, the, the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why, like, you know, we, we, like, we talk about Steven Spielberg movies, yes. right, as a big reference point. And let's think about, like, just two random Spielberg movies. Oh, I don't know. Jaws and Jurassic Park. I don't know why I'm bringing those up, but I'm bringing them those up. Those feel very specific, though. You said random. Almost like they're, they're really good <laughs> movies or something. <laughs> Almost like they're two of my I was going to go with AI, artificial intelligence, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, uh, Red, and Ready Player One. And Ready Player One. <laughs> Ready. Oh, man. Uh, I, now I'm just remembering Mike watching Ready Player One. Oh my god, the DeLorean! I know what that is! <laughs> Remember the T-Rex from Jurassic Park? Alright, but but Jaws and Jurassic Park, right? They're monster, they are monster movies. But you know why we still watch them, even if some of the effects are maybe a little dated in some areas? You know why we still watch them? Because I still get chills when I listen to Quint. Do do his do his spiel, you know. Uh, was it USS? Is that USS Indianapolis that he talks about in the yep. movie? Yep. Yep. Or when in the water. <laughs> I that that Sorry. that. Listen, I'm going to say it right now. Like that movie was like that scene was like a metaphor for me before the COVID vaccine because I'm just <laughs> like uh, the scariest part was like knowing it's coming, but am I going to get it? Or like, <laughs> but. We, even, like, like, even to even to this day, I won't. I won't get a vaccine. I won't get a vaccine. Still to this day. <laughs> so, like, we care about we care about the characters in Jaws, and then Jurassic Park. We love, you know, we love the characters in Jurassic Park. 
Do we care about anybody in this movie? Uh, this movie, I was saying this to Richard, it feels like Diet Congo with its cast. <laughs> ooh, ooh. As someone who just watched that episode, ooh, that hurts. You, but you're totally right. But just like, but just like Congo, the best character in the movie is a is a guy with a weird accent. <laughs> that it, you know, what? I will agree with that. Jean Renault is probably the best character in the entirety of this Godzilla movie. I mean, you can't go wrong with sounds with scenes like "No croissant." <laughs> you said this was French roast. I, I said this. I called this America. <laughs> Dude, when they do the bad Elvis impressions. And they're chewing gum. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Elvis Presley movies. He was the key. <laughs> like, that is the closest thing to, like, sesame cakes. <laughs> in, in, in many ways. Or just anything Tim Curry says in Congo. Like, you have John, Jean Renault, who... The Professional came out bef- a few years before this, right? I think so. Yeah. So, you know, he, he was... It, it's very much like, hey, here's Jean Renault. He's, he's really cool. But then you have Simba. A bunch. You have Simba in this movie. <laughs> Freaking Simba. Simba's. Oh man, Simba as the earthworm, as the earthworm scientist. Uh, oh, that's, that's that's a lot of fish. <laughs> yes, uh, Nick Tatopoulos, played by Matthew Broderick. Uh, not a very charismatic guy. It's pretty sad that uh, in the animated series they replaced him with Ian Ziering. <laughs> Who has much more charisma, which is saying something. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it's that that's the big problem is that you spend your time with a lot of people. Like, you have a lot of, like, like Hank Azaria's in this, and Her- Harry Shearer. As Kent Brockman. Yes. In fact, I remember that was one of the bonus features on the DVD was literally him in character as, uh, what is his name, Charles Kamen, like, talking about Godzilla. And like you know, oh, he could run as fast as this uh, bullet train that goes like 200 miles per hour and stuff like that. But it was really weird, especially considering how how stuffy Harry Shearer can be sometimes. And and the and then the like the, a lot of like, the Simpsons people, but they, it's just like a lot of the people are just so unpleasant in this movie too. Dude, that, that uh, what's his name again? The anchor guy? Oh yeah, uh, Harry Shearer. No, the his character. Oh, uh, uh, Charles Kamen. That is definitely too casual. Uh, for for that type of character, as far as today is concerned, just like he casual, like a married man casually asking his his assistant, "Why don't we have dinner at your place and we'll talk about this?" You're married, <laughs> yeah, I know, and you're beautiful. You're married. <laughs> we work together. <laughs> at that point, she should just like drop kicked him or something. I don't know, but that's definitely like I totally forgot about that part. Then it shows up, and I'm like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that part's really cringy. Of course, it doesn't help that uh, Audrey, played by, I believe it's Maria Patillo, is such a piece of wood that she could barely act at all. Like, there's a reason you don't see her around anymore. I hope she's doing okay in whatever... Yeah, me too. Of course. Hopefully she's doing good. Like, just, like, she, like, yeah, she's... She doesn't add much to the movie, unfortunately. But Richard and I were talking about this, and Feehan questioned this when he saw the notes. (laughs) <laughs> this is a little I'm spouting some knowledge that you didn't know okay so to prepare prepare yourself alright this was oh, no. dropping some facts on me this was the long lost pilot for sex in the city before Sarah Jessica Parker was involved 
<laughs> sure, why not? Like, so I this this whole movie sort of like like I like I was saying earlier, it sort of takes a lot from other like really popular things. Like you know Spielberg, you know you got Jaws ripoffs. You, there's literally a scene where someone says we're gonna need bigger guns. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, there's stuff from like Jurassic Park. Um, but another really popular thing at that time was a little show on HBO called Sex in the City. And <laughs> every time you see uh, you see her or whenever she interacts with uh, Nick Totopoulos, even just that whole, there's a whole scene where they go to a pharmacy, <laughs> which it's already in question because like, didn't they just evacuate? Like, like the whole th- the whole city. So why is there a pharmacy casually open? <laughs> why is there a donut shop open at all? I, unless it's like military sponsored donut shops and pharmacies. But even <laughs> sure. there, it's like what? <laughs> like this poor woman, just like just normal day at work, and yet there's a giant freaking lizard just stomping around the city. Like okay, whatever. But then again, you know. I mean, if it, uh, but. Oh <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that. Honestly, like if if anyone was worse than uh, uh, Audrey, it was probably Animal's wife who drops two. You know, un, she is you know, she, questionable. She was she was some, she was Samantha before Kim Cattrall was on Sex and the City. <laughs> well, you know, she, she she calls animals certain words. You know, she calls them an R word, and then she calls them by an Italian slur later on. I'm like, oh, the nineties. We don't miss you sometimes. Uh, oh man, but um, but no, just like anytime the, those two characters interact, and you have that like sort of romantic music that was playing, and, and just it just how she acted, like it's it's just like th- is this Sex in the City as well? <laughs> like like are they? Is this literally like taking character? Like it's literally people that were in Sex in the City because you know New York. Um, and then adding in like monster movie elements, I don't know, it just made it really funny to watch anytime like she popped up in the movie. Guest director Roland Emmerich. <laughs> like, why not? When I'm, like when I was a kid, there was a movie I watched all the time called Lake Placid, and that movie was directed by the guy who did Ally McBeal. I do remember. Isn't isn't Betty White in Lake Placid? She is in Lake Placid. She's one of the best parts of the movie, of course. I mean, you know, anytime you get Betty White just to curse out loud and say things like, oh, I, I killed my husband, I, I hit him over the head with a skillet. You believe it when Betty White says that. Listen, Betty White, if they made this movie today, Betty White would be the Jean Reno of the movie. <laughs> I mean, listen, if Betty, listen, if Betty White was in Godzilla, she would have been better than Jean Reno. I'm just saying. <laughs> there would have been a fight between a giant Betty White and Godzilla. <laughs> Hell yeah. Why not? Eat, kill, suck it, Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the human characters, like, I think we've, we've firmly established, not the best. They're less than the best, really. They're less than boring. They're, they're really, really? <laughs> they're really subpar. So you think, gee willikers, maybe the monster stuff is kind of exciting. <sighs> mm. Well, about that. Um... I will say, if if this movie was called something else, if it was called, like, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, maybe not even that, because that would be a little insulting, too. But if it was just a monster movie, the se- the fight scenes and the monster stuff wouldn't actually be that bad. Like, I think the CGI held up for the most part, 
I mean, it helps that a lot of the movie is it's raining in in New York, like like what four or five days of constant rain. So like it makes the effects a little less hard to look at. And then I think the worst effects are easily the baby Godzillas at the end of the movie. They are the worst because there's no rain or anything to cover up the effects. See, like for me, the worst one, like the one that stuck out to me the most, was like Godzilla's foot. Because mm. in some scenes, like the frame rate for that. It made me feel like I was watching, like, a commercial for Taco Bell. Like, I thought, like, a Taco Bell, like, advert was about to pop up at some point. <laughs> One of the characters just goes, oh, man, that was traumatic. Want to get some Taco Bell? Yeah, why not? There's there's a lot of advertisements in this movie. There's, like, a sign for Jostacola. There's Blockbuster. There's a uh, Kodak disposable camera vending machines. The best, the most 90s line ever is Audrey going, the network is on an internet. And <laughs> yeah, internet. yeah. <laughs> and internet. I'm like, oh my god, that is, oh, I feel so old just hearing that. How far we've come. <laughs> How far we've come. Like, we used to have multiple internets, but now we just have one. But what, speak, go back to the effects for a second. What's kind of cool is they did use some miniature work, and mm-hmm. like some scenes, like that scene where Hank Azaria gets crushed by the foot. They actually like dropped a big like girder on top of some of the cars to crush them. And to get that realistic effect. And they, they were going to use, like, some... They were actually planning on using a rubber suit for some scenes. But it just never looked right. And then they had a big animatronic they were going to use. That didn't really work out. They used, a, used it for a few shots. And then the baby Godzillas were going to be people in suits. But that never looked really right. Mm. Um, there's, like, a, there's like a whole behind-the-scenes video of, like, these guys in giant Godzilla... Baby Godzilla suits just stomping around trying to, trying to balance. Because they're hunched over and they're on stilts so you can imagine how terrible that would probably be and then i think that was about it oh yeah that was pretty much oh and they also blew up madison square garden really nice like that was a miniature yeah i mean there there is there there, there's some there are some like moments in it where i'm like there there there's some really cool like moments here and there where i remember as a kid like thinking that was cool like i remember like we always make fun of this all the time whenever I watch this, anybody, when, like, it's like, oh, wh- where's my sample? You're standing in it. And <laughs> you, you see that shot? I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, and you see that, like, you see that, like, that big foot, and when you're, like, a little kid, you're just like, oh, my goodness. This this thing is huge. <laughs> That's a big foot. But then it kind of changes sizes throughout the movie, to be fair, so kind of goes back and forth between being really big to being kind of big to being, you know, no bigger than, like, maybe a dinosaur just in terms of weird CGI shots like that. That's like with the original King Kong. Um, he changes size uh, throughout the movie, though. Part of that was was an intentional thing, just you know, because it looks cool. Because it just to make him look cool, you know, not to make him look so puny in the end. Because I think by the end of the original King Kong, I think he's supposed to be like fifty feet tall, and then like Skull Island, he's like twenty five. New York, he's like thirty ish feet. Yeah. U- ultimately, you know. I think you bring up a good point, though, Feehan, that if this thing was titled anything else, I do feel like people would have, like, would have more of an attachment to it, or, like, they wouldn't, the, the, some like, because this movie is not, it's not a great movie, by no, any stretch no. of imagination, but I think part of it is just that title, just, that's why I hesitated, that's why this episode is called Zilla versus King Kong, because... Yeah. It's, well, for one, the t- official Toho name for this creature is Zilla, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, when, basically, when in 2004, for the 50th anniversary of Godzilla, they made a film called Godzilla Final Wars, which is 
utterly insane. Yeah. Like, Joey, you've watched it. I don't know if you've watched it, Richard. It is I have completely not. insane. Just imagine, like, all the scenes with humans, but instead they're all doing crazy Matrix Kung Fu action moves. Because both some of the cast are mutant creatures, or just mutants, basically. The director said, hey, can we get the 1998 Godzilla? And they realized they could, so they bought the rights and renamed him Zilla because... As the Toho guy said, they took the god out of Godzilla because this monster gets killed at the end of the movie, um, which is one of the things Toho told them they couldn't do. So they put him in the movie. Uh, he's the only CGI monster in the movie, and he gets his ass kicked in like 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, it, it's like he just gets taken out uh, pretty pretty quickly in that film. But I also think, too, like uh, trying to separate it from... It's so hard because it is Godzilla, but trying to separate it from Godzilla, like, do you think, do you guys think this design would have resonated with people a bit more had this not been called Godzilla? With people? Uh, I could, or anybody, you know, I don't know. Yeah, with Godzilla fans, you think? Like Godzilla fans? If there's anything nice I could say about this movie, I would say, (laughs) I would say at least it, um, with the design of the monster, like it does have some like cool looking it's like sleek and you know some of the things but if it was called anything but godzilla maybe i don't know i mean for me personally as far as like the whether or not it was called godzilla and affecting how good it was or how people would perceive it i mean i do agree if you don't call it godzilla maybe it would have been a little bit better but I don't know. I I would just personally for me, I would have just watched it and just been kind of. I would have forgotten about it by now. Honestly, just that that's a fair point too. It's just like it makes me think like when we watched Rampage, which is also like sort of kind of teetering on like it's got good moments, but then it's also like you know eh. But um, it's when you get to that last scene and you see all the monsters like actually like doing what you want big monsters to do in movies. That's when you're excited about what you're seeing. You know when you see um. Uh, what's Lizzie, right? I keep forgetting. I know we just watched it not that long ago, but like when Lizzie like goes through a building, like you just see her like crawling out. You know, that's just like that's just a really cool thing. But with like with this monster, uh, Zilla, most most of all he does is just like run around and try to get away from the military who's just bothering him. Like he's like <laughs> And the military does a lot more damage. The military blows everything up. Yeah, honestly, that's the thing I was going to say. This movie could almost be a parody of giant monster movies with the way the military causes more damage than the monster, and the monster's just this innocent animal trying to reproduce. Meanwhile, the military is being all jingoistic and going, we gotta blow him up, we gotta shoot him, and then it's like, oh, we can't, and he's ducking and weaving through buildings. And the most exciting thing the monster does is he sneak attacks those helicopters and chases them and knocks them over, but that's about it. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he doesn't breathe atomic fire. He he like he shoots like that methane blast, which they only did because people heard that they weren't going to do the fire effects, and they got pissed. Uh, which is it's funny because Dean Devlin, uh, we say he didn't do anything. He did do something. He did uh, old school vlogs to people telling like dispelling rumors about the movie. Like one of the rumors in the time was that Godzilla was going to be female. So he literally made a video saying Godzilla is not a female. I repeat, Godzilla is not a female. (laughs) It just sounds like it's like a like a public service announcement. Like, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dean Devlin. I must let you know, 
The Godzilla is not a female. She's not a female. We no, There's no way a female could be a monster. Meanwhile, Biolante and Mothra are in the corner, super angry and pissed. But the funny thing is, uh, on the audio commentary, they do, like, the CGI producer, uh, I don't know if you guys really want to know this, but apparently he, he did sculpt female genitalia on Godzilla. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you can't huh. see it, but literally this guy, who of, of course is French, says, oh, we, uh, we uh, sculpted uh, female genitals on the, on the monster. You cannot see it, but we put it in there. Does that heighten your theater experience, Richard? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. One of the big things, too, as we said, this movie, sometimes, like, the the things that are associated with a given property can sometimes spawn a life of their own or become better. And I think one of the cases of this is is Godzilla the series. You want to talk about that for a bit? Oh, I could talk to you about an hour about Godzilla the series. Well, we're already 50 well, minutes we, in, so... We're, 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 which right, is pretty I'll, good. Cliff notes, please. It's pretty good. <laughs> but let's... Right, br- brief thing on Godzilla the series. Highlights. Highlight reels here, okay. folks. All right. So, like I said, Ein Ziering was in it. It was done by Adelaide Productions, who did the, the Extreme Ghostbusters and Men in Black the series. And it was basically a continuation of the movie. Nick discovers the last Godzilla egg... It imprints on him, and basically they go off and start fighting monsters together. Like, I have it on the background right now, and they have a lot of crazy monsters. They couldn't afford the Toho one, so they had, like, a monster that was, like, a bunch of microbes that ate garbage. They had another one that was a shrew that was trapped inside of a tornado called a shrewster. (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. They had a monster that was created out of a guy's psyche, like a dream electrical monster. They had a time travel episode where they traveled into the future... Uh, and that they had basically Godzilla versus the Thing because he battled a DNA monster that like could replicate and create it, turn itself into anything it like touched, and so it was just a great series. They had a he fought like the original Godzilla who was a cyborg created by like created by aliens, and they had Monster Island. They had a like a found footage episode where like freaking what was what was her name Reagan from The Exorcist? I forget her name. Uh, the actress. Oh, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. She played. She played like uh, an animal rights activist who is like a radicalized. Like basically, what uh, uh, what is it? Jonah Ray or who was the guy in King of the Monsters? Joey, you know the Game of Thrones dude. Charles Dance. Charles Dance. Basically that guy. Basically that guy in like with with an organization called Scale. So it was a great series. Um, didn't last that long because it was caught in the great Pokemon Digimon War of the late 90s. We all survived that. But it, it, like, some of the episodes didn't even air until it came out on DVD years later. And it was, like, basically just that because there was a sequel to this movie planned. And, uh, do you want me to talk about that, Joey? About the sequel? About the unmade sequel that they were going to do. Well, because the end of this movie, they, they sort of had, like, because they, you know, because the Madison Square Garden, they blow it up. And they think they kill like a bunch of the Godzillas, but there's there's at least there's an egg left. They were gonna do a sequel. Uh, Tap Murphy, the guy behind Atlantis: The Lost Empire, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Tarzan, Gorillas in the Mist. He did. He was doing the screenplay, and it was gonna take place right after the original. Nick was gonna have post traumatic stress from the whole ordeal because he was gonna be invited to a freezer that had the big the Godzilla in, and he got traumatized because he saw like the dead eye they were working on he was going to marry audrey but literally he gets kidnapped again by philippe who like kidnaps him from his own wedding with audrey and that was going to be the only appearance of audrey because later on the movie she basically breaks up with him again 
Uh, so the movie was going to be set in Australia. It was going to be basically Nick uh, finds the egg. The egg is trapped under a rock and he frees the monster and it imprints on him. But he basically has to do the whole, you know, old yeller, you know, oh, get out of here. Get out of here. He has to do the tough love to make help him survive. And he goes off to Australia and he ha Godzilla has offspring, like a bunch of teenage Godzillas and a runt. And they were going to have atomic breath. They were going to have Godzilla breathe his atomic breath. And they were going to have a, like, wasp-type monster, literally in the script, called the Queen Bitch. Huh. Yeah, basically it was going to be a lot darker. They were going to have Monster Island and a bunch of stuff like that. It was, it like, the script is actually pretty good, all things considered. Like, it's basically just a rough outline. There's no, like, full script but this basically a synopsis of the story and it's it's pretty interesting it's kind of sad they never made it and we're also going to talk about like unmade stuff with our next film but uh to try to try to sort of like um to summarize this experience i mean this is this is something that was was this all of our like first experiences with godzilla yes children i believe so yes. yeah pretty much i i might have been godzilla <clears throat> 2000 but i feel like this was probably it because, well, it's an American movie, and you know, as you're when you're a kid, you don't really understand the whole Japanese thing. So, yeah, it was it was probably this movie or the TV show. Yeah, like uh, th for me, was, this was definitely my first like, t like toe tipping in like into a lot of like giant monster stuff. Obviously, I'd seen Jurassic Park and and King Kong and all you know and all that, but this this movie, it, it, it's like the movie itself isn't great, but it it sort of for for me like opened up a much wider world wider world of cinema like you know i don't i would have been a very different person if i hadn't seen this movie or watched the the related bonus features or trailers that were included on that dvd edition which uh i still haven't upgraded to blu-ray fian i think knows this i still <laughs> well i mean i own the film on vhs dvd blu-ray 4k and laserdisc so I'm pretty much the authority on Godzilla formats. Yeah. But yeah, going off what you said, Joey, this movie's not great. Um, obviously, the film was hated by Toho, especially uh, Kepichiro Satsuma, who did the Godzilla, you know, played Godzilla in the 90s. And he, he walked out of a screening of the film. He's like, that is not, he is that, he's like, that is not Godzilla. Not that is not my Godzilla. He said, that is not Godzilla. And obviously Toho were mortified by the film because they immediately resurrected Godzilla, who was dead for a couple of years, and brought him back for Godzilla Millennium, which started up the franchise again. Well, <laughs> Richard, do you have any concluding thoughts on this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. On that note, we are going to angrily walk out of the theater, <sighs> and uh, when we simmer down and return... I'll even do. We're gonna get. We're gonna get. Like we talk about this one for. Oh, this one is a long one. But anyway, uh, stay tuned.
we're back welcome back to two dudes one double feature with our special guest daniel feehan in our last segment we talked about that you know that movie from 98 with a big lizard thing in it what was it called again i don't even care anyway uh, <laughs> me watching the lost world jurassic park on vhs <laughs> Oh, that's the thing we forgot to mention. Joey, don't don't promise me don't don't promise me interesting okay, times. That's man. the thing we forgot to mention was that scene in the Lost World with uh with the Japanese guys running away from the T Rex. Oh yeah, we forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, so yeah, we talked about that movie in the last segment. Now we're moving a little bit forward in time, talking about another remake, uh, a much longer remake, arguably a better remake. The 2005 Peter Jackson film, King Kong. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Go ahead, do it. What, 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 what should I do, <laughs> do it. for this one? Do, I actually haven't it. thought this. I actually haven't thought this through. Go, like, go, go, go ahead. Huh? I'm ready this time. I'm ready for you. Go ahead, world's biggest King Kong fan, aside from Peter Jackson. Kids' Choice Award winner, Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys ready for some King Kong? <laughs> no! <laughs> How could you do this to me? Alright, so King Kong 2005. This one also happened a while ago as well. Like, 2005. That's just wild. Remember 2005? I do remember 2005. I... <sighs> like, this, this movie... Uh, so, I, I was... I was 12 years old when this movie came out. I was 15. You were 15. Fian, how old were you when this one came out? I was 10 years old. And I I, I was super, super stoked for this because I had seen King Kong, the original, you know, years earlier. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a big thing. And I, I had never seen Lord of the Rings, so I wasn't like... So there wasn't no, like the Peter Jackson element wasn't at play for you. No, it, it really didn't matter. I just I, I I knew that he was the director of Lord of the Rings, but like in my mind back in like the early mid two thousands, I'm like that just looks like Harry Potter, but not Harry <laughs> Potter. <laughs> I mean, if you look at Elijah Wood and Daniel Radcliffe, I mean that's the best review I've ever heard. <laughs> Harry Potter, but not Harry Potter. Like, but but I mean, they really like they they sort of capitalized on that. I mean. You know, it, it's like I, I mean, it's like just it, Warner Brothers capitalizing on themselves, right? <laughs> this is this is true. This is this is very true. Uh, so so King Kong two thousand five. If you don't know the story of King Kong, you know, giant giant monkey falls in love with blonde lady, fights dinosaurs, um, and uh, he comes to New York City. But this one, this one has a novelty. This one decides, hey, what if monkey, but like James Cameron's Titanic, but longer. <laughs> like imagine if instead of um kate winslet and you know leonardo dicaprio what if just i'm spitballing here what if you got naomi watts and andy circus but andy circus is a big monkey dude and i'm just thinking to myself of like an alternate reality i want to go to the alternate reality where james cameron made a king kong movie where it was andy circus as a big monkey <laughs> naomi watts no no but like it's a weird timeline where linda hamilton or, or is no <laughs> oh. linda hamilton or sigourney weaver is Anne darrow and like 
they're like a badass in the movie and there's a giant gorilla <laughs> like just there <laughs> they're, they just come out in like in like an off-color tank top and like a machine gun joey i hate to jog your memory but i think Lin- linda hamilton is tired of king kong after her past experience with king kong this is true this is true uh after after but but i feel like i feel like if anybody could have had her do it be james cameron <laughs> of course this is true but then like he would have it would have taken years and years and he was said he would he was doing a sequel but then nothing ever happens of it and then there'd be a there'd be a ride at disney <laughs> <laughs> oh man if only but anyway <laughs> so king kong 2005 this thing if you watch the extended version which we did which is three hours and 20 minutes long making it the second longest show that we've discussed on this podcast so far Number one is uh, what do you say? Seven Samurai. Right? Seven Samurai. And if you take out if you take out the credit the um, not the credits the uh, the, the intermission. intermission in Seven Samurai, it's only longer than the extended cut of Kong by like two minutes. Yeah, so <laughs> wild. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. So Peter Jackson, obviously Lord of the Rings fame, and then eventually The Hobbit. Question: Besides Kong. Well, I mean, you would you would say Kong was the first Peter Jackson movie you watched, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is this, is that the same for you, Feehan, or did you watch like Lord of the Rings or anything else? Oh no, I watched uh, Brain Dead, Meet the Feebles. You know, all of his all of his great original movies. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no one watched Brain Dead. Although, funnily enough, there is an Easter egg to Brain Dead in this movie. Like, if you look if you look at the cages uh, where Jack Driscoll is, there's a sign that says Sumatran Rat Monkey. And that's apparently from Brain Dead, and then the movie Brain Dead it causes like a zombie outbreak, and they say in the movie that the Rat Monkey comes from Skull Island, and this was like one of Peter Jackson's first movies, so it was a kind of a cute little going around reference to an old. Pe- it's always it's always kind of nifty when you see like little little like unintentional hints at like the future of like certain directors. Like I remember watching Following. And there's like a character who's like going into some guy's place and robbing it, and he's got a Batman sticker on his front door. So it's like, you know, going into like N- Nolan, like predicting his own future unintentionally. So it's like it's always cool to see uh, those little things. But I guess I guess I was curious, like more your feelings on just Peter Jackson in general, like for both of you guys. How do you feel about him? Uh. As a director, as a person, that's a whole other thing, I'm sure. But as a director, well, just like I, I have not seen a lot of his early work. Admittedly, like the only films of his that I have seen are his Middle Earth films and King Kong. But you really have to. It's kind of like a George Lucas situation where, like, George Lucas directed the first Star Wars. And you have to admire the hell out of what he did on that movie yeah. and the level of stress. And same thing with Peter Jackson, like. Whether you love or hate Lord of the Rings, it, it's it's perhaps it's it could be argued as like the most ambitious like film project ever. Like they made a, a trilogy of of like three hour three hour plus movies, and just having all of that stuff in them, even just in the theatrical cut, it's just like I think about it. I'm like, man, one of these was able to make a billion dollars. It it's just kind of wild, and that would pro- it might not happen today under the circumstances that we're in now but also like he's a person like george lucas who's become consumed by the technology where the technology yeah, exactly it's, it's it's like who who was it i forgot who was talking about this it was like the lovely did he do the lovely bones he did I did yeah and it's like he he almost can't do a movie like that without 
special effects. It's interesting to see the trailers for Lovely Bones and be like, this movie clearly like could have just been made for like $40, $40 million less. Or like $40 million or less, I mean, to tell whatever story it is you're trying to tell. But you know, then you watch it and you're like, did this need to be like this huge production on this? Like, like, like it almost felt like it could have been a nice way for Peter Jackson to sort of step back a second. Cause that's all like I, for a lot of directors, you can kind of see that pattern, you know, they'll make a big, huge movie, but then they'll like step back a second. Like, okay, I'm going to do something smaller now with less pressure, less budget, you know, just kind of sit back. But with Peter Jackson, like he, he just keeps going. Like even that he had that one documentary that came out a couple years ago where he took all that old uh, World War One footage and restored it to to the point where like you're almost surprised that like you you can still tell it's old footage or like something happened but it's like still sort of like wow like that's like that's a lot of like time and effort but it's also like sort of a way of helping expand technology especially if you ever need to use old film i guess i don't know but it's but he's definitely one of those directors that will tackle something from a technological standpoint so that later directors can go oh well peter jackson did it i could probably do that as well and enhance it or do it better you know i mean that's i'm sure that's part of the reason why james cameron even did avatar because you know the motion capture technology was introduced that way right and like so like we talked about King Kong oh, not too long ago on this show, the original, mm. and it is not a three-hour movie. No. No, <laughs> not at all. It's 100 minutes long. Like, it, it's crazy to think that, like, th- that there's not that much that realistically ha- – uh, there's there's so much movie in, in Peter Jackson's Kong that, like, in, like, the two-hour mark of the movie – the original movie's been done for like 10, 15 minutes if you're trying to watch them side by side. Like, it's kind of wild. Like, by the time the monkey gets to, uh, by the time he gets to New York, we're already like just now meeting certain characters in, in the Peter Jackson version. Yeah, especially when you watch that extended version with additional things and, and, and whatnot. Um, with, with, the, with this, with remakes, it's always kind of a difficult thing. But I feel like what the approach Peter Jackson took was, okay, I am a huge fan of this movie, but I, I am also uh, Academy Award-winning filmmaker Peter Jackson. I am going to make a, a semi-serious, dramatic movie with a gorilla as the romantic lead of my picture. It's more like he's trying to make it epic, like the old school epics of like, oh, we're going to make this a huge sweeping drama that's going to take a, take a long time to get started. But, you know, we're going to have tons of characters. We're going to have tons of, you know, action and drama and romance and even a little horror elements in some places. Like, you know, he's really trying to bring back sort of an old school epic of like, you know, Ten Commandments or Lawrence of Arabia kind of thing. Yeah, so let's let's get to the, the the I think one of the big things we have to talk about is the cast the casting of this movie is, is kind of interesting. Richard, do you have any notes on the casting or just thoughts? You know, off the top of my head, not really. <laughs> but it's no, it is an interesting cast. Like there's, you know, some people that, you know, obviously uh, Peter Jackson's worked with, like obviously Andy Serkis is a huge one, no pun intended. Um, 
But um, there's definitely some interesting choices. Probably the most interesting one, and I know you'll agree with this, uh, is the inclusion of Jack Black, of all people, in this movie. Which, I love Jack Black. I'm a huge Jack Black fan. I love a lot of his movies. Mostly Tenacious D is where my love comes from, because I love Tenacious D. And he's he's entertaining in the movie, but it's 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 weird. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. It 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 feels. It almost feels like, in some ways, it's like it almost felt like a studio note, like mm-hmm. to get to get this movie. We and we need to appeal to the young people because we know the studio exec said my son really liked School of Rock. And you know, and uh, and, and that's a good movie. We don't blame that 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 guy's kid. I, I like I like school. Oh school no, Rock's it's a great, a great movie. movie. But I'm just imagining the cigar chomping <laughs> studio execs like, we gotta get the kiddies to see this movie. So basically, like the guys, basically like the guys at the beginning of the movie are chomping denim out. They're like, this is what you bring us. Where's where's the where's the fun? Where's the flair? Where's where's the Jack Black? Where are the bazongas? <laughs> I'm just picturing like now, just like all those all those executives and producers from like that one scene in the movie <laughs> like they're like so wait you're telling me there's not gonna be nudity can we at least get jack black <laughs> but yeah jack black like he is a he, we love jack black i think i think yeah, we've we, we firmly established that it it's just a very strange casting choice especially we'll get to the version that almost happened with this movie but especially when you consider other like potential options that were on the table at one point. Um, another one that's also like a, a, almost like a radical change is Adrian Brody as, as Driscoll. Like that is a very radical change of that character because in the original, he's very much like the thirties, like tough guy, you know, ah, women are a nuisance, you know, like the square jaw oh, you like know. Ty- type of guy. Hey, you know, dude too. I guess I love you. Basically, basically. Oh yeah. Richard, Richard, a funny story. That line, made my sister's head explode when i showed when i, sh- I, I you know what when i showed her i i completely I know, when get i showed it. her the original king kong that part say i guess i love you she was lying down and she turns her head like 360 degrees it goes excuse me what <laughs> that's 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 the reaction that is the most deserved when i was a kid like uh talking about when i was obsessed with this movie too like I remember cutting out variety pictures of this movie and po- plastering them on my wall. I was so excited for this movie, and like you know, as you know, watching especially the part where like they they recreate the scene. You know, oh, I've I've never been on a ship before. I've never been on one with a woman before with uh with Kyle Chandler, which was weird for me because I I remember him from King of the Monsters. I like I, I'm convinced that this is like his grandfather, <laughs> his great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny that like the the Driscoll characters kind of broke it up into him, and then like Kyle Chandler's more the Robert was it Robert Armstrong who played uh, uh Driscoll? Uh, in the Bruce, Bruce Cabot was the yeah. sorry Bruce Cabot was the guy yeah. in the original film. Well, it's almost like they were going to do a full shot for shot remake, and they're like, well, Kyle Chandler looks pretty close to the to the original actor, but they're like, well, let's do something different. And, you know, Adrian Brody should just avoid fighting monsters, considering he fought this, he fought the Predator. Did Adrian Brody? When did he win his Oscar? Uh, two thousand four was it with the pianist, or was it two thousand three? I forget. Was it relatively close? Two thousand three ish. 
so one could argue that a big reason for his inclusion was also that he was an Oscar nominee. He was an Oscar winning actor. Oh, for sure. You know, so like when you have like it, that's, that seems to happen a lot too. Like anytime you know an actor is up for an Oscar or wins an Oscar, like the next thing they you know they do is they get badgered to be in a big franchise movie, and you know, up or down, it could either work or it doesn't work. You know, and I, and it's one of those things I don't know how to feel about him in this movie. Like, <laughs> I don't know about you. Guys. No, I, I can understand. He's, <laughs> he's he's a great actor, like, but you could tell like he's not an action guy. Like he's all right. I mean, he's fine, but you know, like I said, you know, it's like between this and like hit like years a couple of years later, he was in Predators, and like there, you're like you expect you're expected to believe. Oh yeah, this guy is totally like Schwarzenegger. He could totally take on a predator. And this movie, oh yeah, he could totally take down King Kong. Honestly, the best part of the movie was, like, the whole rivalry he had with King Kong. That part where, like, Kong sees him and he goes, I know you. <laughs> you took my woman. You. You took my woman. Dude, I remember I showed that to, uh, Fian, I showed that to some mutual friends of ours. And they were just bursting out into laughter when Kong, like, stares down Adrian Brody in the theater once, when he yes. first escapes. Uh... <laughs> so, wait, would, would we say that... If we're going with the Titanic analogy, that Adrian Brody is Billy Zane. I thought Kyle Chandler was more the Billy Zane kind of guy. As far as the love triangle Ooh. stuff is concerned. Oh, oh, for love triangle for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh man, Billy Zane would have been amusing in a King Kong movie too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't, you know, his IMDb creds. That was like a missed very, opportunity. He probably was in the background somewhere. He was busy in his cameo in uh, Zoolander, which was funny, by the way. Zip it, Zane! <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, like, this mu- is much more of, like, a writer, you know, which it makes sense for this t- this type of movie to make it, like, oh, well, you know, it's the, uh, like, with this, it's like, oh, it's more, he's the more romantic type, and it makes it less, like, it's trying to make it less icky than the original, where it's it's literally just this dude who, feel, like, a misogynist. This, this is just, like, super misogynist who's like, you know what, I... I think I like you. I'm not sure yet. But at the same time, I, I don't know if it, it fully works for me, like that, his relationship in this movie with Anne. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, give, I give Naomi Watts credit. She's really good in this. She's easily probably the best actor in this. And like, I, You're talking about, you said Naomi yeah, Watts. Yeah, Naomi Watts. You're saying? Because like, you know, yes, she's really good. let's get good. to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I know Joey, I don't want to diss the beautiful, the, the majesty of Fay Ray, but... Man, she screams and screams, and this Andero is proactive. She's a vaudeville dancer, so they have that great scene where Kong is entertained by Anne, like knocking her to the ground. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that I think is better than the than the original. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Fay Ray. You gotta love Fay Ray. She's the original queen. She is the original scream queen, but you can't help but say, oh, oh yeah. Uh, David Watts does a better job. Yeah, Faye Ray was, you know, again, I'm a hu- I'm a huge Faye Ray fan. You know, she she very much a character of that time, and I imagine Peter Jackson was thinking about this too. Like, okay, as much as I love the original, there is no way I'm going to get a good actress in Hollywood to do this movie, and they're just going to be screaming their head off because you you need yeah, no. a little more. A little more meat to that, especially too if you're trying to try attempting to boast this as an awards contending movie. And I gotta, I gotta say, Naomi Watts does a great job. Also, because too, guess what? Her leading man 
is is a dude in a bunch of dots and you know it, it's not like a conventional you know conventional romantic movie where you're like you get to see your person like you know face to face it's just like oh this is this is a little different and that leads me like that leads me to Andy Circus um we are huge Andy Circus fans oh yeah uh, this is definitely not the first time we've discussed Andy Serkis because we've we've obviously talked about we are huge fans. Even if he did make that one uh, Jungle Book movie, I'm sorry, Joey. You can call this podcast a uh, Circus Circus. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> circus Circus. Oh, oh, brother. Uh, Andy Serkis is is so good in this movie, um, and and sort of the, spe- the special effects on Kong. I was amazed at how well. They they held up, you know. Like I remember, there was like a poll. They're still very good. That, I mean, there was like a poll of some sort where it was like, okay, the most believable like CGI characters in the last whatever years, and the two like two of the top results were Davy Jones from Dead Man's Chest, which is also which very that good. still holds up remarkably well, and you know Bill Nye is very good in that movie, and uh, Andy Serkis as as Kong. I mean, like the fur textures are really impressive. Like this is a much more realistic gorilla design than probably most of the other versions but Andy Serkis is able to to insert a sort of humanity and personality in Kong like we were talking about the vaudeville scenes where like she's dancing for him but I love it when he's laughing and he or like when he's unamused <laughs> oh yeah he does that yeah. He does that. yeah whatever he just knocks the cane over like I like when you fall <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that laugh he does. I'm like, man, that's it's so weird because you know that's just a guy, but the way he acts and the way he like speak, you know, f- metaphorically speaks, it's like he, he acts just like a gorilla. And obviously, he studied gorillas. And I remember back in the day, there was this great article about oh, the gorillas Andy Circus studied with were the first people to watch the movie. Like they showed the gorillas King Kong, the like the, before before anyone else. Like I don't know, I don't know how they reacted to it, but you know, I, I can imagine there was some positive reception. We'll have to check their uh, their personal letterbox accounts. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, Coco and uh, Bananas uh, letterbox account. We'll have to check those out. See, see, see what they gave. Two apes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I love um, one of my other. There's there's a lot of like beautiful like touching moments of just like sheer like I don't want to say artistry because that sounds corny, but like. I mean, it's appropriate. Like I think about the scene of the Empire State Building where they're they're climbing up because the original we love about it, it just ramps up, it just keeps going. But this movie maybe has too many times for breathing, but like this is one of the best moments where they're on the Empire State Building, they're seeing the sunrise, and it's it still gives me goosebumps watching it. It's such a like the, just the colors and and seeing Kong just just sort of look out and he's holding Anne. And it's, it's you oh, almost man, just want him to stay there. Yeah. Like you know what's gonna happen, but you almost just want him to like like you know what? Just let him live there. That's the thing that hurts. It hurts because you know what's about to happen. Like Kong even almost knows what's about to happen. Like the, even at the end of the movie, they say, "Oh, it's almost like why did he do that?" The big ape co- cornered himself, and it's like, "Oh my god!" Just it's so sad. Like it's honestly, I like I, seeing I kinda, seeing like I, the soldiers take pictures with oh him and yeah stuff. i i teared up especially like the part where kong's like just on the verge of dying and then that plane flies up and shoots him in the back it it killed me man i dick move it, it, i was i was exactly i was like dick move dude dick move like even though Anne is still there they're still gonna fire on him like and you know screw you peter jackson and rick baker who were some of the pilots in that scene 
I'm assuming Jeff Bridges too. Jeff Bridges was there too. And then Peter Jackson stabbed um, Simon Pegg in the hand in Hot Fuzz. Man, I'm just upset <laughs> with Peter Jackson. <laughs> Peter Jackson. Rick Baker was just mad that he wasn't on the movie. <laughs> what do you mean I can't build a full-size King full-size King Kong? Peter Jackson, come on, I could do that. No problem. Could you imagine if this movie like was a full-size King Kong animatronic? I mean, I love any circus, but it makes you makes you think what what could have happened. But knowing Peter Jackson, he probably would never have done that. Yeah, I guess that's true. See, I feel like if this movie was made in the '90s, where this the CGI wasn't quite there, I feel like it would have been more like a Jurassic Park situation where they would have mixed yeah the techniques. You know, they would have they would have blended like there would have been like a shot of where you see you see Kong's hand reach out in one moment it might be a puppet and then the next shot it you see it it's actually like a CG hand or or whatnot. Um, and then also just going with like the rest of the rest of Skull Island is is also really really super interesting and unique, especially because like you know because a lot of movies that try to strive for like the realism aspect. In, in, in a lot of things and there's some of that in this movie but like i look at the brontosaurs in this movie yeah and they're like straight out of one million years bc or you know the even the original king kong and fia what are the okay i know they're not t-rexes but what uh, what is the name of those those animals on the Skull name Island? of the dinosaurs is a uh, vastatosaurus rex Okay. Uh, yeah. So, the, or V Rex for sure. Say that. What is it again? Vastatosaurus Rex. It's like I forget what. Stano. Vastato, like Vastato. Oh, okay. Like, I forget. Like, yeah. The V Rex. Yeah, V Rex. Uh, I forget what Vasto means. It's like it, it, obviously it's Greek, but I believe it means like untamed. I'm trying. I'm. I, I keep mixing it up with the Indominus Rex, like that indomitable mm. kind of name, kind of a similar name. But what's cool about the dinosaurs is, like, they don't try to go for realism. They really do try to go for that old-school, like, prehistoric monster aesthetic for the dinosaurs and all the creatures. And it's it's really cool to see, especially, like, they're like, okay, uh, this is what a T-Rex would look like if it was on a small remote island and evolved after millions of years. Or this is what a raptor would look like and stuff like that. And there's a lot of cool... There, I mean, Joey, I, I should probably bring up that cool fake documentary on the dvd for skull island that's like a fake documentary of what skull island is yes. and the, like the history behind it and like the the ancient like like they explain like okay so the dinosaurs survived here because there's like uh it's like volcanic activity and then there's like an, there was an ancient civilization that lived peacefully on the island but the earthquake started to shrink the island so the dinosaurs were grouped in and the villager the you know advanced civilization kind of turned into savagery and stuff like that and a lot of cool like interesting like bits like that that are really cool and then like i remember the end where they say skull island basically sank into the ocean like you know just completely gone and then like that end bit where they say oh the only remains are like the remains of king kong but no one knows where they are i always love that documentary that makes me think of a uh, son, son of kong because the ending of son of kong the island is gone by the end. It just it just sinks. So you know that with, with all that, there there's that heavy. It almost like Richard. We talked about Avatar not that long ago. It almost feels like a precursor in a lot of ways. Yeah, because it's very much like obviously you have real locations. Like they were able to put produce like Manhattan, like Times Square in New Zealand with a lot of sets and even some digital enhancements that looked great. But like just think about Skull Island as a place. You know, there are obviously some props and real sets here and there, 
but a lot of it is a very digital uh, digital heavy environment which really sort of like it sort of it walked and and, and crawled so avatar could run in a lot of ways when you really think about it i mean that's 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 the that's peter jackson's shtick really you know like i was saying earlier it's just he's one of those guys that he'll he'll do, he'll try something so that other people later can do it so like i even think of the fact that he had you know he he did the whole like let's see if we can digitally create scenes where actors can be underwater and so like you know it's something it it, it doesn't look great admittedly as far as like all the great effects you know, seeing, like, Adrian Brody, like, swimming underwater in that one scene, which was, I believe, it was an extended scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, I didn't watch the extended cut. I mean, I know the couple scenes there are. I remember you saying that, so I wanted to, I wanted to make, specify that that was an extended scene. But, like, he did it a lot in Lord of the Rings, too. So, like, there's, like, scenes for, you know, character where hobbits are underwater and stuff. But it's stuff like that, that, you know has been used in later movies and uh i think even james cameron oddly enough is his whole like he's shooting a vast majority of avatar 2 underwater but like he's still actually filming underwater so i mean it's it, again he's one of those guys that'll try something and it's to see if other people will tack onto it later and see if they can enhance it or not there's a lot of like really cool like creature designs a lot of cool um monsters and like you know that's a that's a huge chunk of this movie too is how many monster battle scenes there are like just the whole like middle section is just them like running into something and almost getting eaten by it you know i think of that scene when uh Anne is in the log and then those like centipede things are coming out which is disgusting <laughs> a lot of bugs a lot of bugs in this movie uh i guess allison would not be happy joey there's that whole like um that one worm thing that's that eats anti circus so like or i don't want to say what i called it when we were watching it but <laughs> but uh, joey do you remember i i did i, I, I uh, uh you said it but but <laughs> but uh the uh just like all the different creatures and stuff that show up it is it is a lot of fun it is a lot though admittedly it it, it is it is a lot and i think part of that is contributed by the fact that this movie again it's over three hours whatever version you watch and there's a lot like imagine if you're a kid seeing this movie i remember seeing this i saw did you guys see this in theaters i did i did like i saw this like little story time I, uh, and I told Richard this story. I don't know if I've told you, told you this story, Feehan. This is this is me like being a brat, basically. It was like December fourteenth, and we went to the. I went to the doctor's. My brother, I remember that, and my brother wasn't feeling great, and I was just like, I was hell bent on seeing this movie opening day. Like I was, I was a real brat that day to my mom. Admittedly, so I, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mom. So her her brand at the time. Uh, who's still a close close friend? Uh, shout out to W. He uh, he took me to see that movie, and I I never forget that. And I still have my child ticket from when I saw that movie. Actually, of course so you do. It, it's a it's a little like little memory. But seeing this movie, I can't can't imagine if you're a kid and you're like want to see like the giant monster stuff, and you just see like and like dancing with Jamie Bell. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> and then like, and then Kyle Chandler has like a comb and he's like a mustache. And like a moment you're like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, because someone, what is going what on? It? Someone sabotages all of his like really honestly pretty cool adventure posters because he plays like an uh, like a strapping actor. He did. 
Um, which he did pretty well. I will give him that. And then he has that heroic moment in the in the spider pit, which was which was pretty cool. That was that was awesome. But there's so there's there, there's so, there's a lot of stuff. And then you have like plot with Hayes and uh, the Jamie Bell character and Jimmy in this movie. And look, look you know, I, I'm I'm glad that they got paid. You know, they're fine actors, <laughs> but it but it just feels it just feels so incredibly tacked on 100 percent. i mean they they want to try to add sympathy they want to try to add sympathy to these characters and the biggest problem is that a lot of the characters they disappear in that third act finale like uh colin hanks he gets like one line to jack and then he's gone we never see jimmy again we never see anglehorn again we never see uh i mean i guess we do see kyle chandler again which he does have that funny moment where like kong is like starting to rile up and he knows like i know what's about to happen so i'm gonna get the heck out of here but then you never see him again <laughs> like you never see him again like all these characters he probably he, he probably went to that pharmacy from godzilla 98 oh yeah he's like <laughs> i gotta get like eight pregnancy <laughs> tests i mean granted if anybody if anybody on the on that team needed eight pregnancy tests it was probably going to be that guy he probably needed a bunch of pregnancy tests that that actually leads me to talk about one of the big things with this movie is that this is this could be argued. This is the biggest fan film ever made. Oh, for sure. Maybe outside yes. of the Force Awakens, like, but that's a whole other example. Like, we're talking about one person's obsession with King Kong. So, mad respect for you, Peter Jackson. But also at the same time, there's a lot of references. Like in, in on, on the vent on the boat, like you see, actually, like the the smoke bombs. Like there, there's like the they have like the the bottles, yeah. but then there's also the smoke bombs from the original. That you see, mm-hmm. you see some of like the native, like native props and and like indigenous people of Skull Island. Their their props are are on the boat, but also um like the if he had this line where he's talking to Colin Hanks. Oh yeah, and, and she's like yeah, but 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 Faye's doing a picture with RKO, and you hear that King Kong, dun 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 Cooper, huh? It's such a small thing, and then it ramps up later on when Kong's on stage. And they play that like the King oh, Kong, yeah. Mar- the King Kong music by Max Steiner. That was cool. That was cool. And I know that y- you probably had the thought of, man, I really want to see the original King Kong with like a live orchestra. <sighs> man, like you know, Fihan, you know that moment when you when you got to see King of the Monsters and you got to hear Bear McCreary's version of like the Godzilla, of the Godzilla theme. Oh yeah. I I wish I could get that with King. Like that was probably the closest I ever got with that was with King Kong, where they have that. In the movie. And also, this leads to another thing I would talk about in the movie is, you know, the portrayal of the indigenous people of Skull Island. Ooh, yeah. They... Obviously, that was a, that's a big thing with the original film. Yeah. Y- you know, um, and I don't know if it's much better in Peter Jackson's version. I mean, I will give it this. They are a lot scarier. I'll give it that. These really do look like people that have been living, like, barely human. They are, like, dis- disturbing. They're warped and crazy and psychotic i mean they might be problematic but at the same time like they do such a good job at making it so like you think oh they're they're gonna be fun and stuff like that but then no they are disturbed and messed up uh especially like but then yeah like they show like the the original indigenous people in that stage show and you go oh yeah it has been like what 60 70 80 years since the original king kong between then and now yeah Whew. And it's one of those it's one of those things too where I said this to Richard also. I felt Carl <laughs> Denham Carl Denham should have been killed in this movie. 
Yes. Uh, I I could see that. Like they really the thing about denim in this movie is like the original denim was so charming. Like they even say in the movie, like he's the kind of guy who would you know go in front of a lion and tell him to look nice. Like he's the guy who would convince you to stand in front of a charging rhino. Whereas this guy is slimy and greasy, and he just like especially like the part where Colin Hanks is looking at him after he says like for the third or fourth time, we're gonna donate the proceeds to his wife and kids. And he just has this thought of, like, this guy is just going to kill us all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And the, the movie has, like, running jokes, too. Like, like that happens a lot. And then, Richard, you know what running joke I'm going to talk about next. Yeah. Where, okay, in the original King Kong, right, this is perhaps, for me, the most horrifying scene in the whole movie. Where Kong's looking for Anne, right? Oh, And he yeah. thinks he found Anne. But guess what? He found some random lady in New York who was trying to mind her own business and then when he finds her that she's not Anne, he drops her. And it's horrifying. From a skyscraper. It gives me chills every time. In this movie, he picks up people who are fake Anne's and he goes, meh, tosses them. <laughs> meh, yeah. tosses them. This, this Kong is not as savage. Is that Naomi Watts? He's not as savage as the no. original. He's not as savage. It's just like, yeah, that, that scene in the original was so messed up. Especially they show like the shot of her falling. And yeah, the effects aren't that great. Yeah. But it's still like the fact he dropped her off of a skyscraper. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so distinct from some of the other moments in the original film, too, because, like, some of the other ones you see him, like, biting on people or, like, stomping on people. And it's like, okay, yeah, that we see that, and that's horrifying. But, like, to see something like that, like, like, like somebody who's not even in his way, it's just, just there. It's just like, oh my gosh. This movie, like, I have a lot of nostal- like, definite nostalgia for it. I mean, like, I had the toys as a kid. And the video game... I think we've all played the video game at some point, if I'm not mistaken. I think I think it's just like a a thing when you were younger. Like you see a movie, and your natural instinct is to like, oh, I want to play the game too. The game's never as good in most cases, but um, in this case, it was actually not bad. Yeah, um, I think it was a pretty solid game. Yeah, it yeah. has the best title out of any movie video game I've ever seen, which is uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. In case you didn't know. I did like the game. I was, I'm one of those people though who's a wimp when it comes to oh I'm completely defenseless in certain scenarios. So like I always just popped on the password system and just played as Kong. I just kept playing as Kong and like it has probably one of my favorite things about it was the alternate ending you could get if you survived as Kong for long enough. You could play as Jack Driscoll and Englehorn in the in the seaplane and actually save Kong. Which is something I'm kind of like, man, I, I kind of wish the movie did that. Because that honestly would have been kind of a thrilling climax. That's funny you mentioned that too. Because that there was a version of this movie that Peter Jackson was supposed to do back in the 90s. Oh yeah, I remember this. And basically, if you want to know what the tone of this movie would have been, think about the 1999 Mummy, but with King Kong. That would have been interesting. So just imagine... Um... You know, good-looking '90s uh, Brendan Fraser as Jack Driscoll, the best Brendan Fraser, and you got me. <laughs> and I feel I, I believe like Kate Winslet at one point was supposed to play Anne. It was either Robert De Niro or Gary Oldman, I think, as Carl Denham. And it would have it would have it would have taken place like I think like almost like a World War One time period. Yeah, post post World War One. The plane, the th- thing you mentioned, Feehan, that made me think about that was like there was a scene where driscoll like goes on the plane and tries to help them out 
I it, it's it I I think I only bring it up too because like this movie is so slavishly devoted to the original. Yeah. That yeah. I would have I that's why in some ways I think I prefer Kong Skull Island because it, which is funny because when I first saw it I was I I didn't like that movie but like growing with that movie like I grew on me a lot and I'm just like it's such a it was a, such a different take on the King Kong myth compared to a lot of other adaptations and stories. And you know what's kind of fun about that one too is that when you get to his introduction it almost feels like from a cinematic like historical standpoint like Kong finally gets revenge on the 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 flying vehicles that attack him. So like you think of Kong typically it's always you know the biplanes coming by and just shooting him down and then he's dead. In this movie no, it's a bunch of helicopters. They're shooting at him. And he's like, "Nah, dude, I'm going to kill you." And so he blows them all up. So it's like it's kind of an you're on my turf. It's like yeah. you came you came to my ballpark and I'm the one with the bat. You're going down. Yeah, something I forgot to tell you, Joey, is that right after watching the original that King Kong like that that ending scene, I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna pop on Kong Skull Island. We'll play that scene and smile. I'm gonna watch Sam Jackson yes. staring down King Kong, and I'm gonna feel better. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, the game was great. Game was yeah, the game was great, it, and I love that alternate ending just because. It was weird back in the early 2000s. There was that, and then there was that episode three game that had the other alternate ending, where it yes. where Anakin could kill Obi Wan and like he killed the Emperor. And so like it's like yeah. wow, that's so weird that there were two games that were pretty good movie games that both had weird alternate ending kind of things that changed the course of the movie. But I also remember in the game they had this like the art gallery was like a first person kind of thing. And you could just walk around. But yeah, the game was fun, and I believe it did win the Game of the Year award. Wow! Like it was, it was back that's, in the old days. That's when, pretty crazy. Yeah, well, it was back in the day when like the the spike it was the Spike TV Video Game Awards, and it was all voted by fans. So you could see how problems arise from that. But uh, oh, Joey, another good thing I want to say is uh, I I had the when I was a little kid, I had the the mobile game on my dad's flip phone. Really? That's how long ago this was. I had the mobile game on my dad's flip phone, and I would play it. I can't remember what it was. I believe it was like a side-scrolling, like beat 'em up. But like, imagine like a tiny little flip phone screen, like like trying to play with your tiny little hands. <sighs> That's too funny. I um, I'm also thinking about too, as somebody who enjoys theme parks. Uh, a couple years ago, I went to Universal for the first time in a very long time. And I got to experience uh, Skull Island Reign of Kong, which is uh, an attraction that is very much inspired by the Peter Jackson iteration of Kong. Like when you walk through the queue, it very much looks like you're walking through like the village and like some of the darker aspects of like Skull Island. And then you, the ride is very much like a simulator. You know, there's like the 3D, 360, whatever. And that's kind of cool. But the best part is seeing the the Kong animatronic at the end that you sort of get a close encounter with and that's always um that's always exciting but yeah with this movie I just feel like it is like the um in some ways like the super size me King Kong adaptation it's like over three hours and he doesn't fight like I'm just gonna simplify he doesn't fight one T Rex <laughs> he fights three of them thanks in this movie oh yeah no. Uh, one for each hour. One for each hour. Just like, yep. If you get the extended cut, there's a fourth T-Rex that pops up in the background. There's like a cor- <laughs> there's like a quarter of a T-Rex just kind of like laying there like I'm coming. Like the like the freaking um Black Knight from 
uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Just, I'm coming too, everybody! But, uh, I didn't watch the extended cut, but I do remember, um, all the scenes. Like, there was one with the Styracosaurus, right, Joey? Yes, yes. With that one, and then there was the, the one with the Pteranodon, which I remember because that scene where they're at the river, and they're about to cross, I remember, and then it cuts to them on the other side, I'm like, wait a minute, where's the, where's the Brontosaurus? When I was a kid, I'm like, where's the Brontosaurus? So I'm like, well, that's where the Pteranodon was, and I remember that name because I had that toy, that was my first toy from this movie, was Kong, and he had the, the thing in his in his arms, and you could basically have a punching action with it. Right. Talking about the, these two movies, like, they're, they're adaptations of of the most famous giant monsters. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's almost there's almost no contest as far as like who the the two big dogs are as far as that game is concerned, and they go they're both very they're both very different kinds of movies. You know, one of them is is that '90s like Roland Emmerich, you know, giant cast, uh, but the other one also has a giant cast as well but it goes about it goes about it in a much more um much more like award seasony but also in sort of a like an, as you said Fian, like epic film yeah kind of vibe definitely trying to make it like a yeah like a biblical kind of oh vibe. yeah i was gonna say there's an interesting connection with these two movies you have one movie where the director had no love or affection for the property and wanted to do his own thing. Meanwhile, you have another movie where the director was slavishly in love with the original and wants to That's recreate, a good point. recreate everything with the movie. And both have, you know, are kind of like two two sides of the same coin. And like, well, you know, you shouldn't be slavish to the original. Otherwise, it gets a little long and bloated. But on the other hand, you shouldn't be too crazy. Otherwise, you'll piss off a bunch of nerds who talk about giant monsters in rubber suits. Yeah. Richard, do you have any concluding thoughts? No. <laughs> yeah, you've been a real help this week haven't you yeah i edited an episode that was fun actually that was helpful thank you thank you very much you're welcome sir <laughs> folks what are some of your favorite giant monster movies what are your favorite roland emmerich movies what are your favorite peter jackson movies please let us know facebook twitter instagram the three of us have letter boxes, all three of us, including Dr. Feehan. Feehan, thank you so much for hopping on yes, and, thank and you taking for coming time on. out of your day to uh, to join us. Well, thank you so much, guys. I'm happy to do this, and I hope to see you guys again someday, especially you, Joey, because I hope we can meet up and we can we can meet up and do other things. And I hope to see you again one day, Richard. Hopefully, we get to see the next Deadpool movie together one day. Well, we got we gotta we gotta include throw in Gifford in there because. Uh, Course. you know who else am i going to pick up when when we do when we do your poster reviews well logistically speaking that would make the most sense uh you're both taller than me so <laughs> we, we are we are large lads but that is okay that is okay any anyhow folks uh thank you so much for listening and uh check us out next week have a good night everyone see ya Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to Daniel Feehan. Thank you for being in the episode this week. And to John and Kenny Armstrong for the music they make. Thank you guys for being so great. And of course, a hint for next week's double feature. We're spotlighting another movie legend with one movie that makes you question reality and another that makes you afraid of pencils. Stay tuned.